Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing <laughs> discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got you can get it ground you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own they've got all of the options uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time I don't remember exactly what it is but I think they express post everything so hopefully quickly perfect Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sarah and Baby Cry in the Background, not included. <laughs> Start coughing. Ruin the whole podcast. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Another episode of Peak Speak. Joining me, as always, is John Hendry. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> what are your interests, John? Um, man, I love uh, rugby. Craft coffee, craft beers, and rock climbing. What about tool? Uh, oh, don't get me started on tool, mate. <laughs> Is that good? Is that a good Shiro impersonation? Yeah, that's the best. So, if, in case you haven't picked up already, uh, this is not Shiro. This is James Hendry. James, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about who James Hendry is, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, well, I'm none of those things. <laughs> I was a very mediocre powerlifter for a couple of years. Um, I now coach out of Ground Zero. I manage Ground Zero. I, um, I wear a few different hats here. Um, you'll probably see me in the videos and things like that. Uh, what do I do? What do I like doing? I love basketball. I love rugby league. I love rugby. I love sports. Um, at the moment, I'm running. Um, yeah. Anything else? Converse? <laughs> converse i don't know oh shoes i just associate oh, i love shoes i just associate james with converse <laughs> um so how did you how did you find powerlifting in the first place um <clears throat> i actually i had an injury uh i snapped my achilles and i wanted to do something while i snapped my achilles so i was like okay what can i do how'd you snap it uh the first time playing basketball so you snapped twice yeah and did you have surgery on it no so it was really weird it was a really unique uh scenario where i snapped it, it was too close to the muscle was cl too close to the tendon. Um, so essentially what the doctor said, it would be like trying to reattach a meat pie together. 
Mm. Um, so I had to do, I could try to find, it's called like a Canadian rehab program that they prescribed for me. And yeah, it was just a longer drawn out process, slower process than getting surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So you did that. Um, and then how did that lead into you finding powerlifting? Um, well, after that, I was like, all right, I love the gym. Um, now I'm just going to try to get strong. So all I did was pretty much, I ended up, you know, looking up a bunch of training programs and, uh, one really caught my eye called, um, I don't think any of you guys would have heard of it before called Smolov, <laughs> Smolov Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I started following that and obviously after four weeks of it, I saw progress. Essentially. Yeah. I was just peaking. Um, but I was like, this is awesome. So I kind of fell in love with it straight away, ran it again, tore my pick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I ran it. I got stronger every time I ran it. Um, well, you know, I just expressed the strength that I kind of built. Whoa. Um, <laughs> the most zero thing you've ever said. <laughs> and yeah, so then I started following a whole bunch of powerlifters. I started looking at local powerlifters and you were one of the ones that I um, followed first. And I was like, all right, sweet. I love this guy's content. I love this guy's. He seems like he knows what he's talking about. To be fair, you're the only powerlifting coach on the Gold Coast. <laughs> and three minutes from where you worked. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I gravitated towards your stuff, started following all the lifters at your gym. And you just walked into my work one day and I knew who you were straight away as soon as you walked in. And you're wearing an A7 powerlifting shirt. <laughs> so I thought that was the coolest thing as well. I was like, oh, this guy's the real deal. <laughs> and um, I just went up and introduced myself and you told me to come in and train at the gym. So I did that week and... That same week, I helped out with one of the novice competitions. That's right. I, um, I even benched in it, even though I was in a moon boot. What did you hit at the comp? Uh, 130. Sweet. Mm. And then two years of training later, what did you hit? <laughs> 137.5. Um, yeah, that's why I said I'm a mediocre powerlifter. Um, but yeah, and then I've just kind of been in this circle since, and I love it. Mm. And then, so how did you, you know, sort of fell away from powerlifting? It all kind of happened around lockdown, right? Yeah. Um, and now you've found this new love for running. Your race is this weekend, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm doing the GC30 this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so it's a 30 kilometer race. Um, I'm not any good at running either, but I just kind of, I fell in love with the process. It's very similar to powerlifting in terms of the process. Mm -hmm. um, my coach, Darwin Brooks, who's also one of uh, my really good mates, he started writing me a programming. And because I, you know, I write programming here and coach here, I could see similarities in the process. And as in, in terms of like periodization and yep. yeah, periodization. And I'd always question everything. Like I'm deloading into this race. Um, kind of same thing. You can't be fast all year round. You pick when you want to be fast. Mm. Same thing as powerlifting. You can't be strong all year round. Um, you know, you pick meets, you work for that. That's when you want to express the strength that you've built throughout the year. Mm. Same thing with running. Yeah, I think it's really cool for you to experience that contrast firsthand because a lot of people get into coaching powerlifting and writing programs and just think that the the science for periodization and programming only exists for powerlifting. Yeah. Whereas we've just fucking stolen it from real sports. <laughs> um, so it's always cool to see that um, outside of that context. It's um, I'm in a really weird place too. I used to always get a kind of imposter syndrome as well with coaching powerlifting because I don't really do powerlifting myself anymore mm. but it's um one of those things that i still love the sport i'm still like i guess you could say heavily involved in it because i work for thomas i work for zero um so i'm still surrounded by it 24 not 24 7 but, but a lot <laughs> yeah so i still i still love it but it's just yeah i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens with my training at towards the end of this year yeah man, i mean like and so we've had so many conversations around this like the whole idea of 
imposter syndrome and the whole idea of like feeling like you need to do it to be good at it. Mm. I mean, like that's the benefit of the system we've set up is, is that you can you can come here and do your job and do a really fucking good job and not be, you know, head into the powerlifting world. Mm. You know, you can still sort of have other interests and other hobbies. And if anything, that's a huge uh, asset. And just like in terms of us, us talking about the the running and the periodization stuff, um, I need you to tell everyone the story of how you timed out. Oh. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. So people that know me know that I always, um, so I fist bump before I squat, even when I was peaking, I fist bump <laughs> the people spotting me and, you know, just get all revved up and psyched up for it. And, uh, at my first comp, I, it would have been the first time in 2018, it would have been the first time I squatted over 200 in sleeves. Um, and yeah, I walked out, got all psyched up, fist bumped all the boys around me, fist bumped the judges, uh, <laughs> fist bumped everyone, walked out with the bar, like I was in the zone. And then I timed, then yeah, as I walked it out ready to squat, I timed out. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst way to fail any lift and it, is to time out. It's been a running joke since then. And um, the last time I competed was 2019. I just, um, so I still fist, because everyone, everyone gave me heaps of shit about it. So I was like, no, I'm still doing that. So I'd quickly go and fist bump the judges, then quickly get under the bar. And uh, yeah. What was the last comp you did? 2019 GPC Showdown. And the, the one you timed out was an APU comp. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've had experience in a bunch of different federations too. Yeah. And obviously being exposed to APL and the novice novice events we, we mm -hmm. run here. Yeah. Um, actually, funny story, while we're just chatting and talking shit because uh, I haven't told you fully what happened on the weekend. So I went and coached uh, a bunch of people at a PA comp on the weekend. Oh, sorry, I went to support a bunch of people at a PA comp on the, on the weekend. Yeah. Um, they had to list their coach in a plus one. So I went down as one of my lifters plus ones under the alias of my middle names. <laughs> so I, I, got, I got in the door, snuck out the back. Uh, and I got a record. So normally I last about three minutes before I get kicked out. This comp, I lasted 15 minutes before, oh, I, was, before I was removed from the back. Um, but here's the irony, right? Not allowed to go and support my lifters out the back. I commentated the whole comp. That's, and what comp, was this PA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't understand how, like just, I'm not maybe not across at all, but you help a lot of powerlifters and a lot of different federations. You've done a lot for powerlifting, just in general, I guess. Mm. Um, like powerlifting is meant to be an all-inclusive sport, and there's all these different federations. Do we have different rules? They ban people for whatever. How's it? How are we ever meant to grow the sport? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I used to get way saltier about these sort of circumstances than I do now. Mm. Um, the only part that I because it's the rules like it's the rule i know that i'm not allowed to go out the back and coach as part of that federation unless i'm a member of that federation but i can't be a member of that federation because if i am then myself and my lifters can get banned because of some of the rule the you know nuanced rules that come with that and so if i'm banned and i can't go help people then defeats the purpose anyway yeah um and so if i'm banned a lot of people um, there's, there's various ways you can be banned from the Federation. And so you can get a WADA ban, you can get a, an ASADA ban, or you can get a Federation ban. Yeah, okay. And a lot of people confuse the two. Yeah, so right. if I'm banned from WADA and I'm coaching you, that's prohibited association. So if I've committed a drug offense and I'm coaching you, that's mm. prohibited association. A lot of people think that being banned from the Federation. So if I did coach there and then I was officiating another Federation, they could ban me from the Fed. 
Yeah, that's well. not an association rule. So I can still keep coaching people, just not mm. at the comps. But a lot of people get that confused. So where I think the biggest issue lies is how it affects us from a business perspective. As in like, if you want to be a high level powerlifting coach, you can't be segregated to one federation. You have to, in most circumstances, you have to be uh, able to cater towards any lifter. Um, and it makes it really hard to do that when part of your job is supporting on the day when you're not allowed to do that. So uh, like people, people wonder why I don't coach many PA lifters. It's not by choice. Yeah. I, at one point I coach heaps of PA lifters and especially lots of IPF lifters when it was IPF back in the day yeah. uh, in New Zealand, because in New Zealand I can go to the comps, okay. but in Australia I can't. And so like it weeds itself out. I'll coach a PA lifter for ages and they'll be like, oh, you know, it kind of sucks not having you at comps. And so you know it's a it's a self-selecting process and so anyone who's coaching in pa as well mm. often feels weird about helping people outside of pa and it creates this really exclusive culture uh, and it makes it super limiting from a business perspective and that's why you don't see many high level powerlifting coaches coaching across federations there's very few of us that do it i do it because you know of the position that zero has now become and you know some of the bigger brands in powerlifting australia still do it a bit but very much so it's like them and us and it's really quite weird yeah okay so but they had no problem with you so i'm guessing you get along with the meat directors you know these guys i i, I know most of the meat directors in in queensland and probably in australia i didn't actually know this person personally okay. I, i'd never met this person um and uh like again it's it's the rules of the competition there was nothing personal about yeah. it the other thing that that uh you know sort of sits a little bit annoying with me is the fact that you know at least another six people out the back weren't members of pa yeah and weren't, were not members of that federation and you know whatever uh they shouldn't have been out the back friends and family were wandering out there and hanging out there for ages it's because people know me because i've got like a target painted on my head uh in that sense just being recognized mm. um that's the shitty part because then it puts me in a circumstance where it's like do i whinge about it to myself no i just whinge about it on a podcast do i <laughs> do i whinge about it to myself or do i say okay well if you're kicking me out go to that person that person that person that person kick them out too yeah but then i fuck up their day as well and it's like i don't want to do that yeah oh. I, I couldn't imagine you doing that anyway no i never would um and i mean like the, thankfully the the people that i was there to help had had people helping them already because this was the assumed situation um and i mean really it's it's not that hard to work around those rules as a non-pa coach you just you can you can stand to the side and get your lifter to come talk to you they can't stop you from doing that because yeah. what's the difference between me being there and your mum being there yeah. like we're just having a conversation or i can text you your numbers it's just it's a little bit annoying not being able to fully watch the process and be as involved as you would in uh, a regular federation so what about let's say if i wanted to be a pa powerlifting australia coach yep would i so if i just went and got the i'm guessing there's a qualification or a certification if i went and got that myself would i be able to just go and coach it yeah PA so you can do that without the certification uh you you need the certification like the pa coach course mm -hmm. um to go to national level meets yeah right um it's the biggest waste of money that you'll ever spend, but it gets you over the line to go to to go to um, <clears throat> to go to national level meets. Uh, but yeah, you can join as a as a federation member or as a coach and go coach at local comps, no problem. 
So, but could I get in trouble because I'm affiliated with Zero? No, not at all. Okay. What 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 will end up happening? And so, like this stems into another conversation. Really, you'll get a bunch of emails that basically say you can't associate with Zero. They're drug dealers. They're pirates. They kill people. They <laughs> conduct illegal activity. You're making the wrong call. You're doing the worst thing for your life. Basically, the same thing that Wilk says to anyone who's not involved in PA. Sounds like I'd rather be there, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it's kind of shit. Like I have no qualms talking about this mm. because it's it's the reality of what happens, and I've got endless evidence to show this. Okay, yeah. and pull up the emails on my computer right now to show the kind of things that uh, that he says to people. What sucks is that you know there's a lot of people who have left PA and are in similar business positions to me uh, in terms of maybe like running a niche gym or having a coaching business. Um, who that kind of defamation, that kind of like. Uh, rumor fear mongering all stuff that is completely untrue um can really impact their business like that's a real shit spot to be in there are plenty of people in this gym who have joined pa who have had a call immediately saying you cannot train at that gym which is completely not in the rules yeah, at yeah. all in one sh way shape or form you get people travel from interstate who will come here and be like well i train at this gym but i can't post that i'm training here because i'm part of pa it's like you post that you're training wherever the fuck you want yeah, yeah, yeah. unless you're training with a bunch of drug dealers that have been banned from water like the the people who you can't associate with are the people who have served a drug uh, conviction in prison mm -hmm. in the last two years or are people who are currently serving a water ban yeah right and so the people that are doing that in australia in powerlifting uh, there's not many <laughs> yeah well wow. and they're all published you can go find out who they are um but it's it's such a weird the prohibited association rule is so uh it's been the subject of so much fear mongering over the years that people really don't get what it means anymore yeah and so like people think that like imagine if i was uh, no not me because i'm holy imagine if you were banned <laughs> from water right now and yeah. i was in pa yeah people would think that this is association like yeah, they, wow. they take the the literal meaning but it's not at all mm -hmm. prohibited association relates to like uh, some relationship that uh uh that is like um connected to advice or help for the athlete so think if you're a physio in your band i can't see you for physio that's prohibited association if you're a coach in your band i can't see you for coaching that's prohibited association us being in the same room is not yeah. prohibited association so if yeah, you train yeah. at the same gym as someone that's not prohibited association but that's where they try to scare you and say, hey, you're yeah, a Yeah, for sure. But they'll do that without even the first rule in place, which is they have to be banned from water. So yeah. people think that by coming to a non-PA gym that they're committing the felon of prohibited association. Think how dumb that is. Mm. That would be like, you could extrapolate this times 10. It's like, we're both in McDonald's. Are we associating? We're both now in the same shopping mall that McDonald's is in. Are we associating? We're yeah. both now in the same suburb, in the same city, in the same state, in the same country. Like it, it it's it's a such a stretch of the rules that people should read threats like that and just mm. fucking laugh because it's so dumb. Yeah, wow. And it takes about 30 seconds to look up what the rules are. <laughs> so if you ever get stumped by this, just go google you know the, what the rules are and and uh read them for yourself i've got a way better idea though what's that if we just um it might be a little bit far-fetched but you know how in a rugby league rugby and basketball there's one governing body that governs everybody and then you kind of all just get along and lift together that would be like that would be perfect it would it's not gonna but, happen but maybe not <laughs>
I, I think the biggest impact, the biggest issue that you'd have in something like that is tested versus non-tested. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, sure, you could put it under the same body. Mm. Uh, but so, so many of the so many of the splits in the bodies that arise because of the splits, are because someone gets pissed off with a particular rule or a particular person, and they're like, I can do this better. Yeah. Okay. And so, in in a sport that is more established, like a real sport, like rugby, you mm. just you just can't do that because no one will follow you. Yeah. Okay. It's like all the money, all the sponsorship, everything has been built around one thing. In something like powerlifting, there's already 500 federations and none of them have money. Yeah. It's like, it's so easy to just be like, we can do this better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. It's funky. It's funky. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, pe- people ask me quite a lot, um, why at zero, or why me personally uh, gets behind the APL so much? Mm. Uh, and I'd love to I'd love to bring John on to peak speak or, uh, you know, talk to him and get him to speak publicly. He's just really shy about it all. Uh, and John, if you listen to this, I hope I'm not spe- taking the words out of your mouth in the wrong way. But the thing I love about John Gabriel, he's the president of APL. His attitude has never been, I want to come and take from powerlifting. His attitude has always been, I want to come and impact powerlifting to make all of powerlifting better. He's one. He's definitely one of the good guys in powerlifting. Like everybody who competes in APL um, maybe not everybody, but everybody's had a conversation with John. They all know John, and they all talk so highly of him. Mm. And um, yeah, like I said, he's like one of the good guys, and he just wants you speak to him, and he's just such a normal bloke. And it's almost to an extent he—I don't want to try uh, paint the wrong picture, but it's almost to an extent where you think he doesn't care <laughs> because <laughs> he's so—he's just a good bloke. That's just John, so casual in yeah. general as well. He's just got a really like chill attitude. But like, so John comes from an NRL background. Mm. Like he was a player, right? Uh, and over the years, you know, he's been a very successful businessman. Um, and so he's funneled a lot of energy into powerlifting in the last few years. And people don't realize the impact that he's made because he's done it from a completely selfish, uh, selfish, selfless standpoint. His goal has been to, to be like, I'm going to do stuff in powerlifting that no one else does with the hope that everyone else starts to do it. So what does he do? He puts up, he puts up, um, you know, $30,000 for nationals prize money. What does everyone else do? Now there's like four comps this year that are doing big prize money and they're trying to beat it. So they're doing pro roll with $40,000 instead of $30,000. He's like mission accomplished. That's what he wanted. He wanted to legitimize, professionalize the sport, bring money in, start to, you know, look at how they would treat it uh, corporately from a bigger sports perspective. He invests into young people. He invests all of his own money into bringing up young people in the sport by doing his, um, uh, by doing the development squad, which is taking on lifters under the age of 23, so junior and teen lifters, giving them coaching, giving them development, giving them access to competitions, flying them around to workshops. He does that all on his own, off his own accord, and he doesn't, you know, post it all over social media for clout. He's no. doing it because he's investing in the sport and he's investing in the lifters in the sport. So, for me, through and through, like. I don't care how big or small the federation is. I don't care what you think of the federation or the rules or anything like that. I'm in it for powerlifting and this guy's doing the right thing by powerlifting. I love that too. And just um, being a part of uh, hosting the meets that we've had at Zero, uh, APL in Queensland um, has grown heaps. Just from the first meet that we've held here, from the first couple of meets uh, that were held in Queensland anyway. like um, Big time. Just an example, Queensland State's pretty much sold out in what three days yeah 60 and, um, lifters yeah up. like that's a that's a new federation uh it's pretty hard for lifters that who are heavily invested in gpc apu uh pa to leave their federation so it's mm. cool to see that uh the impact that he's had and um yeah the moves that he's making in powerlifting 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know how this turned into a discussion on federations, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. It's legitimately the most boring thing to talk about in powerlifting <laughs> is talking about federations. Um, how did we get here? I asked you what your last comp was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that what you accomplished during your lifting has in any way affected the way that you approach running, whether it's mindset, whether it's strength, whether it's just the training in general? Um, <clears throat> I always thought I was, um, I've always been pretty uh, competitive and I guess you could say good at sport uh, without trying to sound like a dickhead. Um, like I did play, you know, I played representative of like rugby and rugby league uh, growing up. I played New Zealand, uh, played for New Zealand and touch football. Um, so I've been, you know, in the junior stuff, I've always been a pretty high achiever when it comes to sport. And I just kind of had the same, I came into powerlifting with the same attitude. Mm. Um, but I guess I didn't really give the sport the respect that I should have because I was like, oh, wow, I'm one of the weakest guys here. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like if you want to be good at something, you just got to, I guess, put in the work. And um, mm. powerlifting is one of those things where it takes a really long time to get good at. So I guess I didn't really commit enough time um to be good at it but i still really enjoyed it i still do enjoy it even though i don't power lift um what was the question again yeah i was gonna say you didn't answer the question one <laughs> bit um, i said is there anything that you did during powerlifting like any any attributes whether it's strength or mindset or that competitive aspect that's translated into your running um to be honest not really uh one of the main things was when I started running, I was like, this fucking sucks. So I have to try to get better at where I really enjoy powerlifting. So mm -hmm. it made it far more enjoyable. But one thing um, that I did learn from this is, you know, learning to love the process. Because um, when you think about running, running's fucking boring. It's just, are you allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, okay. you just did anyway. Yeah, um, you know, like running's boring. It's just, it's just one leg in front of the other. For Sometimes it could be hours on hours. Mm -hmm. um, kilometers on kilometers but you just got to fall in love with the process you look at the finer details the little minute details that you would in powerlifting like um, so that's one thing that does transfer like my attention to detail um, even just as a coach in powerlifting you know you're trying to look you're looking to fix people's uh, mechanics in the squat bench or deadlift and I'm doing the same thing in running I'm trying to fix my you know the way I run the way I strike um, that's a fancy word for putting my foot in front of the other. Um, has has the has it been um, has it been challenging with the history of the Achilles stuff? Like, yeah, I think that's what makes it more enjoyable. Because um, I gained about I gained over eighteen kilos since the first Achilles tear. Yeah, so well. I went from seventy four kilos to about ninety three kilos, mm -hmm. and thinking I could never run again. Uh, to then playing basketball again, playing touch football again, uh, and then yeah now. I'm about to run 30 kilometers this Sunday, which um, I feel like that's the more fulfilling part for me. Hmm. How long do you reckon it's going to take? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm not actually peaking for this race. So I want to move fast at the Gold Coast Half Marathon, which is in two months or mm -hmm. eight weeks out. So this, it's like, a, um, you know, I just want to put some... Mini peak. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to put some uh, numbers on the board and, you know, just get... I just want to tick it off, really. It's like kind of like my first powerlifting meet. I didn't actually care if I did good. I just wanted to mm -hmm. do one. So that's what this is for me. And so being eight weeks out of the next meet, when do you add knee wraps? <laughs> that's really, really the only... It's like when I go to the, the guys here when they have BJJ comps, I'm just like, yeah, just grab the ankle, get tight, 
Brace until yeah, I know how to yell. Yeah, I might, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I might do this race raw. So I'll probably add in some uh, shoes in the, in the last four weeks. We'll see how I go. Um, do you listen to music or anything when you run? No. Just go raw? Yeah. See, well, Classic raw. I, I, I walk party every morning for an hour and a half. And I could not imagine doing it with any form of like sound in my ears. Yeah. I feel like I lose balance and spatial awareness. And I don't know where I am if I've got... Oh, 100%. I need to hear. And you're like kind of alone with your thoughts. And um, mm. it sounds kind of weird, but it's like... It's meditation. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's mm. just like my goal is just to achieve mindfulness while I'm running. And it's kind of the only time I do so. Do you guys talk while you're running or do you run by yourself? Uh, when we do our long runs, there's been a few of us that run together and we talk the whole time. Okay. So me and my mate last week, uh, Johnny Brooks, we ran 20 kilometers and we spoke the whole time. Does it gas you out? Nah, it kind of takes your mind off it. Okay. Because, you know the long it's kind of it's like powerlifting the training is pretty much the exact same you're not fucking lifting yeah maximally all year round you're um, doing a lot of easy work mm. um you know you're building a bigger base you're doing a lot of the boring you know i guess you could say the hypertrophy stuff mm-hmm. uh same thing in running you're doing a lot of the longer slower stuff to build a base and you you know you're doing maybe one faster session a week uh but other than that it's um yeah it's it's there's a lot of aspects that i've found really similar to powerlifting yeah, cool. Even though they're two completely different sports. And I know a lot of powerlifters would laugh at runners and a lot of runners would laugh at powerlifters. And it's, um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I'd, like I'd, I don't say this very often, but like obviously I come from a background of competitive BMX. So I love bikes. And when I'm done with powerlifting, I even think of getting started with it now. I'm going to get heavy into cycling. Yeah, it's cool. Like my, my, my ultimate sport is like um, sprint cycling. I love that sport. That's and, all. And like velodrome stuff. It's fucking wild. That's actually my next purchase a bike yeah, all nice. my mates do triathlons or have done a triathlon and all my mates have started buying bikes and yeah yeah i love that it's cool yeah cool all right well um we ask every guest uh four questions so we're gonna ask you some questions sweet um if you were to have uh, a meal with anyone on earth and you get to pick their brain about absolutely anything you want they have to be alive right now who would it be lebron james okay how come that's I've watched his whole basketball career since 2003. So I love LeBron James. He's like the pinnacle of an athlete. He's the pinnacle of a role model. He's just done everything right. He's come from nothing and he's just so admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys you can't hate. Cool. Top three basketballers of all time. That's a bonus question. Ooh. In my opinion? or Yep. Uh, you'd have to say Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Okay. In that order? LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. There you go. There you go. Um, what's your favorite lifting memory? Um, does it have to be my own? or No, nah, it can be one of each. Go favorite lifting memory for yourself and also a coaching one. Okay, cool. Favorite lifting memory of my own was <clears throat> probably squatting 230 kilos for the first time. Yeah. Um, that was massive. Um, that whole prep with the boys, with, um, you know, our training sessions that we had. Yeah. That was so much fun. It just yeah. made... It's one of the things I love about powerlifting, even though it is an individual pursuit, like mm. the team trainings that we had, uh, the atmosphere was awesome. Um, so yeah, the first time I squatted 230 kilos. Um, my favorite lifting memory as a coach, I've got quite a few, but one thing that I'm starting to really, really enjoy is um, I do technique sessions with people that come to the gym or anyone that inquires and um, being able to see something and fix it is um something that i've really started to enjoy and i've started to get really confident with it as well 
um, which is, you know, it's kudos to you because it's what you how you've taught it to me. You've simplified it for me. You've made it all made sense for me because mm. um, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So it's a uh, neither am I. <laughs> so um, that's probably one of my favorite things. That's something that I like really look forward to. Yeah, and let me promise you, it never gets old. <laughs> Like legit, it never mm. gets old. I'll do a technique session with someone for the first time, even if they're a pleb lifter, no offense to the plebs. Um, and it's still super rewarding to see like a terrible squat look like a really nice squat after 15 minutes. Yeah, and like it's, I love it now, especially um, when stronger people come to me for advice. Mm. Uh, people that are, you know, established, I guess you could say established powerlifters, or if they're not even established, they're just stronger, way stronger than me. Yep. And uh, it's, it's a rewarding feeling for that sure. they're um, coming to you for advice. For sure. Um, if there's one piece of advice you could give to a new lifter starting out, what would it be? Enjoy the process. Sweet, because? Um, it's shit. Yeah, because, <laughs> I don't know, just don't try to compete with anyone. Just enjoy yourself, have fun. Like, this isn't a professional sport, so don't act like a dickhead and <laughs> act like a professional athlete. No, that's bad advice. Um, or it's kind of good too. But. It's, it's good and it's bad. Like we know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I hate it when I see people walk in here and take it too seriously. I get it that you want to be good and you want to have fun, but it's like you chose to do this. Yeah, and you can be really good without, you know, being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> they're my favorite kinds of lifters that live a normal life as well. And um, so the last question is like, what's one thing that you've um, in the, like, you know, a year ago you would have, fallen on your sword for since you but since then you've completely changed your mind on normally would ask it from a coaching perspective but if you don't have that anything like what's something in in either life or in coaching that you've completely changed your perspective of like full 180 flip in the last two or three years um pretty much what we spoke about before the whole imposter syndrome thing mm. it used to legitimately play on my mind every day it, it got to a point where i was embarrassed to say i was a pal i'd coach powerlifting um, when, yeah, I really shouldn't be embarrassed about it at all. Um, so that's something that, you know, now I'm proud to say that I coach powerlifting mm. and it's something that I, you know, I really enjoy. Sweet. All right. James Hendry, thank you for uh, joining us on Peak Speak. It's thank been you a pleasure. Shira, I've taken your spot. Did Craft that. coffee, beers, rugby, rock climbing, Canberra. <laughs> I've got you covered. Done. All right. Talk to you guys next time.